Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey, that's that's very bad. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to try and dress it up with context or anything like that. The Raptors got absolutely smoked, 126 to 110, for their fifth loss in a row, two of them against the Magic, one against the Kings, one against the Nets, and now the Warriors, who did not have Steph Curry, who did not have Andrew Wiggins, and still found a way to absolutely annihilate the Raptors. This is the Raptors Action Podcast. I'm Errol Sampson Folk. And it is, of course, brought to you by Goldfinger Law. And hey, shout out to Goldfinger Law, because with them, you only pay if you win. If you're looking to contact them, you can do so at 416-730-1777. You know who you don't want to contact for protection of any sort? The Raptors. The point of attack defense, bad. The weak side rotations, bad. The two-man actions, bad. The connectivity, right? Like if they're trying to top block, Clay Thompson, and they leave a wide open back cut to the rim several times during the game. Really bad. Uh, Cycling through rotations as a team, five guys on a string, really bad. All of this stuff, not good. I don't know how to optimism my way out of this game. There were markers you could look for in any number of the games, but the longer this losing streak goes on, the less it feels like you should be adding context for why they may win in the future and just say, well, damn, this is a team that loses games. And after five losses in a row, it's hard not to see them that way. And that's also Pascal Siakam at practice the other day said, hey, winning fixes everything because it's difficult to look at, you know, things that are going wrong and try and find the positive in them. Uh, he has to be better at that than I do. This game, there's some positive, sure. You want to hear him? Malachi Flynn gets more run, continues to return a little bit more on his jump shot, a little bit of creation. Chris Boucher, even though defensively he seems like aimless because, and it's not even his fault, it's just once you lose that connectivity on defense, what is a guy like Chris Boucher doing who isn't elite as a rotational shot blocker at the rim, who isn't elite guarding at the point of attack, and is mostly meant to be used in court coverage and in rotation. But if you give up that very first, like that point of attack, just a a drag screen for a guy to come downhill and it's Jordan Poole and he just annihilates you every time, what do guys like, you know, Pascal Siakam, Chris Boucher, who are sitting at the bottom of the defense, what are they meant to do? And then even when they step up, they have to go one-on-one with a guy like Jordan Poole if they're switching in that scheme. It's, they're not left with much to do. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's tough, man. Um, Coloco continues to struggle immensely. Uh, it, it's really tough for him to score at the NBA level. He needs to put on probably a little bit of muscle to finish through contact. 
um, the positioning, quicker jumps, all that kind of stuff, just a little bit more headiness to be able to use his length on the inside. Pascal with 27, 5, and 6, but I tell you this much. He had his first two threes of the game. That was good. But as I talked about on the last podcast, that aspect of his game where he's navigating the middle of the court and shot making from there is not currently present. That is what made him so dangerous to start the season. That's what allowed him to make all NBA last season. That's why his points per game, assists per game, all that kind of stuff was better in the playoffs last season than it was during the regular season. Because this is a guy who gets to that spot on the court and can hit either from a push shot, a fadeaway, a step through, a spinning hook, whatever. He can hit those and has been hitting those for some time at around 50%. The jump shot aspect of his game has completely evaporated. And so what that does is means that teams, help side rim defenders, and his primary get to sit on this push shot or him trying to step through. Both of them is him trying to get that forward momentum, him trying to get downhill. You get to play way more square to the body. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna pay for all this kind of stuff. You get you get to play the way you want to defensively, and he's getting put into tougher and tougher positions as a shot maker. With that being said, his cutting in this game, he was very, very proactive off ball, trying to get himself into successful positions. That's nice to see. I hope he does that still when the rest of his game comes back. But that part of his game. Navigating the middle of the four, completely dicing up defenses is not going to be at its full potential or even close to it if he's not able to kind of lean back and hit that jumper. And he's not doing that right now. It takes away a lot from the Raptors offense if he can't do that because that is that ability to navigate the middle of the four is the superstar aspect of his game. When he has it going, that he's that guy. When he doesn't, he's a second-tier star. He's not going to be able to, I guess, organize the offense in a satisfactory manner. Fred Van Vliet did a pretty good job of that tonight, I think. He was the best Raptor on the floor, if you had to ask me. Uh, he was pretty dynamic getting downhill. Of course, it's Jordan Poole on the other side. You know, that's, that's a weak guard defender. But it's also Draymond Green. And Draymond had a really great defensive game. And I thought that, you know, Fred Van Vliet did a wonderful job setting up the offense for his own looks. It's been really tough for the Raptors to get anybody looks outside of themselves to be a true uh, creator for other people's looks, for other assists, because the shooting still isn't very good and the shot making still isn't very good. And it's tough to let the ball leave your hands when you think, I could shoot this and give it a shot and see if this drops in instead of just watching it go out and a missed shot. Like the, the Warriors being able to like ping the ball around the perimeter in this game and have threes drop on the other end of it is a big boost. That, that is a positive reinforcement of that ball movement. The Raptors don't have that positive reinforcement and haven't had it for some time. And so even in a game where the Raptors shoot 39% from three, they still lose the three-point battle by 15 points. The, the Warriors go 18 of 39. The Raptors 13 of 39. And they're going to lose a lot of games when they can never come close to equalizing that three-point deficit. Getting, like, sure, they're closer this game than they were in some others. That's true. Sure, they they hit a bunch of threes in the first half against the Nets or the Kings or whatever, right? But it's throughout the whole game, they don't have a significant shooting presence on the floor. 
that hurts. That's tough to deal with. And especially when you look at who are the consistent shooters. Yes, Pascal came in this game and went three for five, but this isn't something that has been part of his game this season. He's taking like two three-point attempts most of these recent games. Now he goes up to five hits three. That's great, but this isn't consistent offense. This isn't something that the Raptors, they work into their actions and they're like, okay, if this is the outcome on a possession, we're looking good. We can expect a certain amount of a certain percentage or points per possession on this. Like they have no consistency now. And when you're missing Precious Achua, Otto Porter Jr., OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., not only are you decimated offensively in what you can try and run, but you're decimated defensively in your connectivity and you're decimated everywhere on the court as they have been all season with injuries. And now we're just looking at a team that the effort doesn't really seem to be there. And that's the point of attack defense. That's the defense all over the court is they get beat. And then some guys are going to make that rotation. But the guys behind them are not making that consistent rotation back out. We saw it sometimes in this game, certainly. But m- there's enough times to make somebody worry and say, hey, what's going on here, guys? Because truthfully, rotations are not being made the way that they should be uh, for an NBA defense, A, and then just not even close for a Raptors defense that has more advantaged closeouts, meaning that they give up more long closeouts where teams have a good advantage built out of them than basically any team in the NBA. They ask guys like Scotty and like Pascal to shoot out to shooters all the time, cover an insane amount of space. And if everybody's not locked into their guy, the other guy's guy, and okay, what are my responsibilities if he shoots the gap to the rim? What if he shoots the gap over there and the help comes from the corner? Like, how do I tie into the possession, even if I'm on the weak side, even if I'm far away? And the Raptors don't have that connectivity. They aren't making a compelling case for why this six Vision 6-9 six, stuff, Project 6-9, whatever, is shrinking the court defensively. Because it isn't. Because last year, they were 13th at least they were above average at limiting attempts at the rim. They weren't good at you know allowing or making people miss at the rim last season, but at least they allowed less volume there. And that was the trade-off for giving up more corner threes. This year, very nearly the same percentage of corner threes. You saw quite a few of them tonight. Roughly, they're still last in the league, by the way, of course, but they're in the bottom third in rim attempts. And teams are, they're like almost the worst team in the NBA at defending the rim when people shoot there. These are not sustainable aspects of defense. You have to be able to take something away. And the Raptors, if they are taking something away, is it even that they take it away? Or is it that they're giving such a pot, no, sorry, not potluck, I guess, what would it be? A buffet of options for other teams that they don't want to take those options and they're too busy being gluttons at the rim we're taking corner threes wide open from the corner and with great driving lines when it's at the bucket you have to be able to take away something at the point of attack they cannot contend the backline defense they cannot contend brooke lopez is not back there man you know rudy gobert is not back there you cannot funnel guys down there to christian coloco who bless his soul is doing his best is a rookie and is trying and has shown great instincts in a lot of different facets of defense, but cannot backline an NBA defense at this point in time. Neither 
can Pascal Siakam, neither can Scotty, neither can OG. You know, they all try, of course, and to varying degrees of success, probably in that order, by the way, from the bottom to the top. But this is just a team that can't do enough well defensively. And so I, I talked about this on the other pod, I don't know, two or three ago, but I asked Fred, do you guys look to try and do some of the more preemptive switching, you know, schemes? Nexting, peeling, do you, do you want to be more aggressive at the point of attack and just switch everything? What are you going to try and do so that you're not creating these lines directly to the bucket? And guys want to watch film. And I know that's the answer that NBA players give when they say like, hey, I don't want to talk about this or, you know, I couldn't really say or they don't want to question the coaching staff or whatever it is, right? But they have plenty of games of worth of film where they've been bad defensively. In fact, it's been pretty close to, like against the Nets, the Nets hit a lot of mid-range jumpers, a ton of them, and shot like 67% on them. The Raptors, that was a better game for them. Honestly, it was defensively, but it still wasn't a good defensive game. It was better. It wasn't great. And this is a defense that is supposed to be great. I'm sure this is what everybody prior to the season was selling themselves on. I'm sure this is something that everybody was expecting outside. Hell, I did the outside looking in series. I talked to many different people. Most people, if not all, were expecting an impressive defensive team. Not even necessarily like they'll be top five but an impressive defensive team. That is not what we're seeing game in and game out. It is a huge problem. Some guys are miscast as point of attack defenders. Some guys aren't close to being able to affect change and are quite disastrous when they're put in that position. Some guys are. Some guys are being lazy on the back end. If there is even a guy who's giving it his all and always making the right read, always stepping up with great timing to dissuade the drive. Okay, I forced him to pick up his dribble before he's comfortable to shoot. Now he's moving the ball on. Either I'm sticking with him or I rotate off, like making all those types of reads. Maybe there's a guy. I don't care. The team's defense is at such a bad place right now. They need to fix so much. They, they have a game against Philly tomorrow. Maybe by the time you're listening, it's today. But... <sighs> I don't know if Christmas will be restorative if they come back for that Boxing Day game against Cleveland and beat Cleveland again because that is the one good team that the Raptors seem to be able to, like, they have their number. But my goodness, man, they don't have anybody else's. They they are not putting anybody away, and they are getting thoroughly shellacked by a Warriors team that was 2-14 and on the road coming into this and is, what, 10-21 and without Curry not even not even without Wiggins as well, but just without Curry over the past couple of years. This team cannot come in and just beat the hell out of you. But that's what happened. It's tough, man. It's a it's bad performances, and it's at some point you just have to win. Honestly, like you you can't context your way out of it. You can't couch everything all the time into making it sensible. And so this doesn't mean that the team is doomed. It just means that there isn't like a sensible, oh yeah, everything is actually chill and good. Five losses in a row is fine. Because five losses in a row isn't fine. 
And the way they're losing these games isn't fine. And the outcome that they're getting isn't fine. And they probably have players on the team that feel the exact same way. And guys want to win. And guys want to play basketball. And they want to be there when the playoffs come around. And the way that the contracts are structured, the way that certain guys are playing, the level they're at, why would they want to be there for a rebuild or whatever else, right? None of this stuff is certain. But it's just like five losses in a row is pretty significant in an NBA season. Like, it's a 16th of the season. All losses. You didn't win a single thing. It's tough, man. It's incredibly tough. Uh, They have to start winning soon. And it's Joel Embiid tomorrow. And Harden. And Maxi And all those absolute stars. And the the schedule does not get easy. Not, Not for a long time. So... They were supposed to those, you know, the start of that five game losing streak. They're supposed to pad the win loss totals that those columns to brace for what's coming now. Sheesh, it's tough, man. It's very, very tough. Uh, the uh, Reggie Evans Award goes to Chris Boucher. The hustle, awesome as always. It's very tough for him currently to finish under the rim. Teams are crowding him in there so often. Uh, the Raptors aren't spacing teams out super well or anything like that, but continues to hustle, continues to grind and do his thing. So, yeah, proud of you, Chris. Keep doing your thing out there. Okay, the top quick reaction comment is from Lee's. Hey, Lee's, uh, quote, if that is how Banton thinks he's going to get more playing time, he has another thing coming. I mean, Banton, let's, let's read it off. Okay, 13 minutes, four points. Two assists, two of six from the field. Didn't make his only three-point attempt. Didn't make his free throw. It's just like, Banton is not the savior. And Banton is an intriguing collection of size and talents, but he has to develop a significant amount of his game to be a guy who comes in and like has a positive impact on winning consistently. He had that Detroit game. That was awesome to see. He's had some minutes last season and this season where they're positive. But most of the time, he isn't a rotation-level NBA player. And that's that's the hard truth of it all. Um, he's, he's incapable of manipulating defenses as a ball handler. He doesn't have enough gravity so that he can really move defenses with his cutting. If the Raptors aren't playing in transition, his touch doesn't show up really, and neither does his court vision because he's not because the defense is set in the half court anyway. And defensively, you know, he's also not a guy who's going to be a tremendous repellent of sorts at the point of attack. So, yeah, uh, Lee's thanks for writing in, listener. Thank you for listening in. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube. Like the video uh, if you'd be so kind. Subscribe if you'd like. The most important thing, though, is to subscribe at raptorsrepublic.com for the best written work on the Raptors out there in the world. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast channel, thanks for tuning in. Let me chop it up with you uh, whether you got into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.